Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. You're listening to a reading group episode of the show, which means that in this episode, I discuss the wonderful and ever-re-readable paper by P.F. Strawson, Freedom and Resentment, with two non-philosopher friends, Adam and Giffen, because philosophy shouldn't just be for philosophers. So in this episode, as I said, this is part four of the Moral Responsibility and Free Will series, and this is where we get into the objective and reactive attitudes. So these uh, terms were coined by P.F. Strassen in this paper, again, which is infinitely rereadable. And I think there's actually much more to this paper than I first realized uh, when reading this and discussing it. And I think my understanding of this paper will grow and develop both as we go throughout this episode, but as we go throughout this series. So with that introduction, I hope you enjoy our discussion of freedom and resentment. Should we, okay, should we get yeah. to Strassen though? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like we should. Um, okay, so for this one, um, I... I think what would be an interesting thing to do is I was thinking, you know, usually I will say something like, you know, you know, this episode we're going to discuss like the paper by P.F. Strawson called Freedom and Resentment. And I will give kind of like a 30,000 view foot of it and then we'll kind of dive in. Right. But I'm almost more curious at the top to hear how you guys might summarize the paper, <clears throat> maybe interestingly with things that you are not sure whether you maybe understand or you have questions about their implications or something at the top. What do you think about that idea? Okay. Giffen, go first then. Generally speaking, what would you, what would, <laughs> or, or Adam could go first. I just, there <laughs> were two names. First, <laughs> there were two, there were two names. I had to choose one of them. <laughs> That's fine. I was just flipping through to like my notes. Yeah. Um, so, so generally speaking, like, what would you say this paper was like was saying? Because so that's a deeper he, question, you might say. Yeah. No, it is a deep question. So, um, <laughs> I, I don't realize the opportunity to go first, but I will plow ahead nonetheless. <laughs> um, so basically, this is a discussion about the what he calls like the thesis of determinism and its relationship, if any, um, to the um, moral responsibility question. Although he seems to not like to use concise terminology um, <laughs> and fair. he like enjoys metaphor and just like belaboring points and just lengthening sentences, like it, as if he was maximizing the sentence length it, at times. Um, yeah. And so basically like he uses um, the framing device of like two positions. There's pessimists, and optimists, which again, mm. I, I would prefer like only one layer of terminology instead of multiple. But um, mm. I think this one was actually one of like the, the more useful ones. I just had to physically write it down what he meant at the beginning, <laughs> yes. lest yes. I lose the, the train. Um, so pessimists believe um, that like in I, I formulated in like kind of just formal logic. And you can correct me if I'm like missing something here. Mm -hmm. um, the pessimist would say, you know, <clears throat> if determinism then not moral responsibility is what I have. Like, there is a relationship like that. Yeah. Whereas this... the optimist wouldn't even, like, sh like there is no relationship. Um, Maybe not necessarily. Okay. I, That's how I, would... I, like, wrote it down at the beginning. Yeah, so it's it not wrong. Correct. 
I, I don't think that's wrong to formulate it like that. But, but I would say maybe even in simpler terms, to like to tie it back with the series, um, all he's basically doing is talking about, like you said, he has his optimist and his pessimist about the relationship between determinism and moral responsibility. Yeah. Now, the, he actually has um, three terms, but he doesn't make the third as explicit as the first two. Um, <clears throat> he has his pessimist, mm -hmm. which is basically, hearkening back to the very first episode, an incompatibilist. So they think that, um, you know, determinism is incompatible with moral responsibility, but the pessimist does that turn and says, okay, well then, determinism isn't true. They're a libertarian in simplistic terms. Now, an optimist is basically a classical compatibilist of any of the sorts that we read um, <clears throat> in, that, in that summary of, uh, of, of Paraboom's four-case argument. Uh, there's a, a reasons-responsive, um, I can't remember all of them. The reasons-responsive was the one that started. There's a character-based, can, can either of you guys remember the other two? Yeah, one was with uh, moral reasoning and moral responsibility in the terms right. of like, like a moral framework that you operate through. You know? It was it was reasons as viewed through like moral uh, reasons, right? Yeah. What was the fourth one? Um, I can't recall. It was. I have it real quick. It was. There's a character-based account where it's a, oh, and then there's the Frankfurt second-order desire account if you want to want to right, have Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good, good. So that would be his opt. You can honestly translate this as pessimist is a libertarian, optimist is a compatibilist, and he adds this third term, a moral skeptic, um, or a skeptic generally. Uh, that is, again, an incompatibilist but who turns, instead of towards libertarianism, into hard skepticism on moral responsibility, a Dirk Paraboom or a Galen Strassen, for instance. Um, so, sorry to interrupt, but continue, if you have more. Me, oh, um, <laughs> that, that was fundamentally it, yeah, I mean, from what that I had. Like, that, that's, like this, that's what I like, took from the paper, at least the framing that I needed to jot down <laughs> in order to understand the, yeah. the remaining 25 pages. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. He says um, he says basically that his goal is to dissolve rather than resolve the conflict between the optimist and the pessimist. And it's funny because he kind of gives the shortest length of address to the three of us, perhaps, the moral skeptics, um, or at least, you know, the Galen Strassens, the Dirk Parabooms, insofar as we agree with them. Mm. Most of his project is reconciling the the pessimists and the optimists um adam is there anything that like just off the top kind of from memory that you would add to giffen's opening remarks yeah and he kind of like uh brings about concepts of kind of viewing people objectively and then you know behaving in sort of reactive manners mm. or, or kind of responding in a reactive way so to kind of view someone objectively is um, so okay. So he first kind of introduces the fact that you can view people objectively, like children, maybe people that have schizophrenia, say, hmm. and view them as not necessarily moral agents. Um, and 
kind of just recognizing their cause and effect objectively and rather than kind of taking it personally or having like a reactive attitude toward them. But then he said we can kind of like expand that to um, people at large. But the fact is that we don't in, you know, uh, everyday interpersonal relationships, mm. you know, regardless of what kind of relationships they might be. And um, because we have reactions to people and that's just fundamental to human nature i think he's a kind of accounting for moral responsibility in that sense in that Mm. the fact that we respond to people in this way is in itself moral responsibility because it's part of human nature that's kind of what i took away from adam that's a that's a great addition i kind of almost ignored it because i i felt like every time he would discuss um like these examples of like human nature or use that as a defense it almost felt like he was like dodging so mm. whenever it comes to the actual like argument for like this is something we can discuss but to me it's like every time I, he was like and thus it is the human nature which we cannot no like three cell like organism can deny human nature i was like come on man mm. yeah because the thing is like he 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 says that like like when examining like viewing people objectively like you can't do it all the time and it would be in a way almost um psychopathic to do it in nature to view people objectively all the time in all your interpersonal relationships yeah i actually Mm. really did enjoy that aspect i just didn't (laughs) i almost didn't even know like why he included it in a paper about free will and uh, moral responsibility like i actually do think Mm. that it's a very useful frame to think about in interpersonal relationships and like psychology and sociology (laughs) it just it just felt a little bit out of place to me Mm. yeah it well it just seems like if you view all interactions through those lens, it seems to be at least, um, you know, congruent with, you know, determinism in the sense that, you know, people are just behaving as they are. I think he like introduces like this pretty early on where it's like people don't simply rationalize their behavior afterwards. Like they are, you know, thinking beings that come to conclusions through their own, you know, Uh, mental processes and thoughts and you can view people objectively in that sense Hmm. operate based on who they are and you can kind of like take out the reactive aspect but you can't do that all the time yeah it's just like to do so so but yeah he says just to clarify um because i thought that was excellent um, so yeah, you, you guys reference, but I just want to spell it out a little bit more. So he has these, <clears throat> these two types of attitudes, uh, that we take towards other people. There's the reactive attitudes and then there's the objective attitudes. Um, I, I honestly question if there is only one objective attitude or multiple, it's not exactly clear to me. Like it's, it's not clear to me what Strassen thinks, but it's not clear to me what I think maybe on that fully, but um, the reactive attitudes, as Adam mentioned, um, is I'll, I'll quote from page five. He says, I want to speak at least at first of something else of the non-detached attitudes, i.e. reactive attitudes and reactions of people directly involved in transactions with each other. 
of the attitudes and reactions of offended parties and beneficiaries of such things as gratitude, resentment, forgiveness, love, and hurt feelings. Basically, reactive attitudes are those that Strassen might say constitute our relationships with other people. They are the filling of the pie in that sense, you know, <laughs> like um, weird. And that was a weird analogy to make, but but roll, roll with it. And as I understand Strassen, the objective attitude is the suspension of the reactive attitudes, whatever they may be. So it is. I, I don't I don't have the quote here, but I remember it almost verbatim. It is the the viewing of someone. I mean, you know, we've all heard the term to objectify someone before. Like usually, like I probably most common in like men objectifying women for like their bodies or something, right? Like you're taking them as an agent and degrading them to a thing to be taken into account or to be worked around or to be. Um, not necessarily used, but accounted for. Um, and as you say, Adam, Strawson is, <clears throat> insofar as we might call him a compatibilist, he is a very specific type of one um, because he's not straightforward um, in his compatibilism in the way that, say, you know, if we took like a reasons responsive compatibilist. Um, they would say, you know, if this condition, namely reasons responsiveness, is met, uh, then we can attribute more responsibility to that person. And when it doesn't, then we should not hold them morally responsible, right? But Strassen is a little bit messier, I would say. Um, now, it's an open question what exactly Strassen thinks about, about this, um, because <clears throat> what's clear um, is that he says he, he very clearly admits throughout the paper that sometimes we do take the reactive attitude and sometimes we do suspend it or take the objective attitude. Now, he elaborates a little bit. He gives examples, and we should, we'll get to those, of like when we take the objective attitude. But he... Is he seems extremely hesitant to my view to say when one is appropriate or one is m morally permissible, right? Yeah. Now, is that how you guys see it as well? I, I think he it kind of implies in some areas that it seems a little more obvious. Like he does choose examples, like when he introduces the concept. A child, for instance. Or a schizophrenic. You yes. Know? Whereas yes. like, you know, someone who clearly has, you know, um, <clears throat> serious mental deficiencies or moral deficiencies. Mm. And um, they don't seem to be a moral agent. And they, they wouldn't strike anyone as a moral agent. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think... You know, he's kind of like choosing more obvious examples to introduce it. So I think he, um, I think he actually more explicitly says that we all kind of take the objective attitude. He yeah, says he, we do from time to time, but he's very non-committal on when we either universally do or even more importantly ought to. You know, he does. I don't know if he ever says we ought to. He just kind of. Mm. brings you and i thought they were pretty good examples actually of i've got an example you can, I can you know, observe yourself 
doing like that, but he doesn't ever, it's as far as I can read or remember, like say like when it, you ought to or ought not to. And it's page nine where he introduces, um, I think that second subgroup of like the um, conversation about, you know, this objective attitude mm-hmm. um, where he says, uh, you know, psychologically abnormal or as morally undeveloped. Yes. Yes. Let's so let's let's backtrack for a second. Yeah, of course. Um, because on the top of page six, he has a good example. Um, <clears throat> he says, if someone treads on my hand accidentally while trying to help me, the pain may be no less acute than if he treads on it contemptuously in contemptuous regard of my existence or with malevolent wish to injure me. But I shall generally feel in the second case a kind and degree of resentment that I shall not feel in the first. If someone's actions help me to some benefit I desire, then I am benefited in any case. But if he intended them so to benefit me because of his general goodwill towards me, I shall reasonably feel a gratitude which I should not feel at all if the benefit was an incidental consequence, unintended or even regretted by him, of some plan of action with a different aim. For listeners, there's a taste of what we just read 27 pages of. It's a a little... He has a... Clearly writing in, I think this was 1962, maybe this paper was published. It's clearly from that era of wordiness. His son definitely sharpened the axe. <laughs> Galen, yes, Galen is much more concise a writer. Um, but he clearly, in that example, points out something that is at least, let's put the metaphysics aside for a second, it is psychologically accurate that if someone steps on your hand by accident, you will not have the re- like a, a harsh reactive attitude of, say, resentment towards that person. That's not to say that you'll feel the objective attitude, not at least specifically, but, you know, he says that, you know, it all, it's, it all kind of hinges on the intention behind the action. If someone tramples your hand because, like, they want to hurt you, then you will feel resentment towards them. Um, and that, so I think what he kind of tries to do in the paper is he begins with tabling psychological facts at least and he elaborates on those to how he views the 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 question of moral responsibility um now this is so if we skip ahead um i wanted to excuse me talk about those two uh those two types uh giffen that you were talking about yeah so he says On uh, page seven, uh, second paragraph of section four, he says, let us consider then occasions for resentment, situations in which one person is offended or injured by the action of another, and in which, in the absence of special considerations, the offended person might naturally or normally be expected to feel resentment. Um, Then let us consider what sorts of special considerations might be expected to modify or mollify this feeling or remove it altogether. So, he says there are two kinds of this thing, uh, of, this, of this lack of application of the reactive attitudes. He says the first group, to the first group, belong all those which might give occasion for the employment of such expressions as he, he didn't mean to, he hadn't realized, he didn't know, and all of those which might give occasion for the use of the phrase he couldn't help it, when this is supported by such phrases as he was pushed, he had to do it, it was the only way, they left him no alternative, etc. So that's the first type, and that seems to be, you know, the softer type. Um, those, now, 
those to me seem to be like he's talking about very pedestrian details of life. Um, try to come up with a good example here. Something like, help me out. What's a good example of one of these? Like, um, you know, if, if, if maybe if like Adam and I are, were competing for the same job at work or something like that, and one of us gets the job and the other doesn't, but we didn't do anything to like sabotage the other person. It's just one person had to get it and the other person couldn't or something like that. Um, or maybe that's not a good example. I was thinking something simpler, like, <clears throat> you know, you turn around and bump into someone. It's like, oh, like, I didn't intend to, like, you know. It's even better, you, yeah. For you to jostle yeah. your coffee, like, I'm sorry, like, obviously. Yes, like, yeah, 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 something like that, exactly. Had um, I, like, the foresight, I would not have done that. Exactly, like, he, he did it by accident. Um, or, you know, like, a waiter kind of, like, slips on something and spills, like, coffee on you. It's like, well, he didn't intend to do that, obviously. Um, okay, nice. Now... He says, this is interesting to me. On page eight, he says, they invite us to view the injury um, as one in respect of which a particular one of these attitudes is inappropriate. So it's not necessarily that we suspend reactive attitudes and take the objective attitude, but it's just that certain reactive attitudes are not appropriate in these cases, he's saying. Like, it's just not appropriate to resent the waiter if he slips for spilling coffee on you, right? Like it wasn't his, you almost say it wasn't his fault, even though he's causally responsible for it. Do you know what I mean? Um, he says, they do not invite us to see the agent as other than a fully responsible agent. They invite us to see the injury as one for which he was not fully or at all responsible. They do not suggest that the agent is in any way an inappropriate object of that kind of demand for goodwill or regard which is reflected in our ordinary reactive attitudes. It's just not applicable in this case. But he's saying um, the, the, our view of the agent is not changed in this case, but our view of the act is changed in this case. Now, I don't have any problems with that first case. Do either of you guys? It seems pretty benign, pretty banal, right? Yeah. Okay, nice. So then the second group um, is different. Now... Um, there are two subgroups of this second group, and the first is much less important than the second one. Um, <clears throat> he says that the first group, we might think of such statements as he wasn't himself, he had been under great strain recently, he was acting under post-hypnotic suggestion. Um, a good example of this is like, you know, let's say Adam's like cramming for the LSAT, and, you know, we're, we're playing... Um, an online game and uh and adam snaps and yells at you giffen and then he's like yeah he's like ah so like i'm sorry that that, that wasn't he's like giffen you idiot like just, <laughs> just just goes off on you he's like he's like ah you know what, giffen like i'm sorry i've just i've honestly been like on five hours of sleep like studying for the lsat like yeah. i wasn't myself you know he was I mean? rolling down my eyes i would say i understand <laughs> adam you were not yourself <laughs> yeah so that is clearly the less important case. Now, the second is where Strassen says it's much more, this is a much more interesting case. These have ter like phrases associated with them as he's only a child, he's a hopeless schizophrenic, his mind has been systematically perverted, that's, complete, or that's purely compulsive behavior on his part. Such pleas as these do 
as pleas of my first general group do not, invite us to suspend our ordinary reactive attitudes towards the agent, either at the time of his action or all the time. Now, this one is interesting because this is the much more important case. This is not when we're viewing the action as not deserving of reactive attitudes, but the agent uh, as not uh, as not being applicable to to deserving reactive attitudes. Um, now, this is interesting. Um, he also says, I think if, and this was the quote that you read, but I'll just repeat it because it's worth mm. mentioning. He says, the second and more important subgroup of cases allows that the circumstances were normal, but uh, presents the agent as psychologically abnormal or as morally undeveloped. The agent was himself, but he is warped or deranged, neurotic, or just a child. When we see someone in a light such as this, all our reactive attitudes tend to be profoundly modified. Now, here's the interesting thing. And this is kind of maybe the crux of my disagreement with Strassen. I'm curious what you guys think about this. Now, I, I don't have the quote, but we'll get to it at some point. Um, he says, when we do, because he's clearly making the descriptive claim that sometimes we do suspend the reactive attitude, and sometimes we don't, right? But he says that when we do, it is never because of the thesis of determinism. It is always, I forget what he says, something like for far more specific reasons. And he lists some of them here. You know, the agent was himself, but he is warped or deranged, neurotic, or just a child. Now, I don't see this distinction as a very robust one. Um, he, he seems to claim that sort of like, you know, the, the facts about determinism never, never cause us to, um, to suspend the reactive attitudes. But I don't understand how he's viewing something like schizophrenia then. Like schizophrenia, from my perspective, is the quintessential example of determinism vitiating someone's agentic personhood for lack of a better term right like they they really don't hold up to this standard but contra strassen it is precisely for deterministic reasons that i might suspend resentment towards a person with schizophrenia how what did you guys think that as well when you were reading that or no, I was actually just about to make a similar point. Honestly, mm. actually saying that the the moral skeptic is gonna just just bulk at this at these points being made right now because yeah, I, I don't really see the distinction either. I mean, mm. if, in if you had any conception of free will, you might think that someone with schizophrenia could overcome their own nature, you mm. know, what I mean? and and that they would be, you know. Well, I don't think Strawson would say that. Well, no, but he he he's kind of that. That's an entirely different thing here. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I'm saying that the distinction of like determinism versus free will here. Um, I mean, also actually, to be fair though, like Strawson, I'm not even sure what kind of free will he believes in. Well, the point is, is that he doesn't see. Remember, so Stra Strawson is explicit in saying that it's almost 
the debate about moral responsibility in his eyes it's it's mistaken to focus on whether determinism corrupts that because he thinks that right like he he boils it down to these like reactive uh, attitudes or objective attitudes and he says that this i mean this is the claim i disagree with but he he would say that when we do take the objective attitude towards someone uh we never do it because of the general thesis of determinism we always do it for a much more specific reason such as they are a child or they have schizophrenia or they didn't mean to now that's an easier case because that's just pragmatics of interpersonal life right but that i mean that's precisely my react like my I was gonna say reaction to strassen but like my challenge to strassen would be like how how the hell are you saying that a person with schizophrenia is not determined to act under the influence of schizophrenia like that seems to be a deterministic detail about them and that is precisely why you're suspending the reactive attitude so how can you say that the thesis of determinism doesn't account for that like it doesn't that that doesn't make any sense to me i know i i agree um so from what i could gather so one yes like he doesn't actually talk about like you know his beliefs about determinism he like tries to focus on like whether there is a relationship between determinism and the moral responsibility thing in his paper. Yeah, um, I would even like to he, hear him he... spell out what he thinks determinism <laughs> is. Yeah. Well, he he says he <laughs> says uh, he almost it's almost like he's dodging the question as part of his paper in a way because he says like if I am asked which of these parties I belong to, I must say that first of all, the party of those who do not know what the thesis of determinism is. But this does not stop me from having some sympathy with the others and a wish to reconcile them. So he's saying like he doesn't know what the thesis of determinism is. Now, I don't know if that means this is a problem with his writing style. I don't know if that means he's saying that he doesn't know what counts as a deterministic cause or not, or he doesn't know what follows from someone accepting determinism. Right, like I don't know which of those he's saying he doesn't understand. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a little bit <laughs> opaque, and I, I like kind of flipped ahead to page like eleven, um, here, mm-hmm. and like this is after the conversation about like that second subgroup about like the, you know the schizophrenic, mm-hmm. um, the case that really matters. Yeah, yeah, and he says like perhaps we shall see that the question can be answered without knowing exactly what the thesis of determinism is. And that seems to be kind of like where he is kind of landing. He's like, yeah. the point is it doesn't matter. So I don't need to talk about it. Um, yes. But when it comes to like the, the question, cause I don't think I gave my answer to like how I felt mm-hmm. um, like reading the example of the schizophrenic. I agree with you both. Um, I read this and I'm like, I think it is, it might be descriptively true that some people would do that without, you know, stating as a belief, like the determinism, right? It's like, Mm. most people probably wouldn't understand what that question would even mean you know um but yeah i i i think like as an explanation i think he strassen kind of was uncomfortable with (laughs) uh rejecting the idea of moral responsibility and and he recognized i think that like if you kind of project like the kind of determined nature of a schizophrenic onto other people like through like the the rationale that we can describe um, then that would kind of crumble, you know, you know, um, his kind of view of what is normal human behavior, um, which mm. he just kind of seemed to find either uncomfortable or well impossible. He, no, explicitly impossible. I don't remember what page this is on, but he says, 
we we cannot give up the reactive attitudes entirely. That is just it's not a possibility. It's not a live option. Yeah, but it it did seem to kind of avoid like that's not like really what we're discussing almost, right? It's like well, we we want to know like whether it is, you know, whether we ought to, not whether it's like, you know, <laughs> possible as a society. And also, yeah. and also like I kind of like don't understand what he's going for there. Does he mean just like in terms of our interactions or just what we can, you know, acknowledge to be true? Because, I mean, can't you, like, just sitting back in your chair right now, if you hold determinism to be, you know, true and what follows from that, can't you sit back and say, okay, from an objective sense, you know, there is no true moral responsibility, but then you'll, you will ascribe moral responsibility to someone when they step on your, you know, your hand, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in an act of vindictiveness. So it's like, why can't both be true there? Yeah, it's a great question. And you hit on something that I was going to clarify from Giffen's question, which is he, he in this paper is viewing sort of the application of moral responsibility either as a type of reactive attitude or as a general view of, of that which constitutes moral responsibility also constitutes the application of reactive attitudes, right? So there's sort of... He likes, to, I mean, as Giffen pointed out in the intro, he likes to invent his own terminology for things. But obviously, you know, moral responsibility has a very negative, blameworthy connotation to it. But obviously, there's the converse side of all of those reactive attitudes. There's, you know, praise. Uh, what does he say? Like falling in love, you know, s- stuff like that. Um, now, Adam, what you said was good because he says, um, the this is Strassen's claim. I don't agree with it. Strassen says the practice of the application of reactive attitudes is not a practice that you can question from the outside. One can I this might be in the last section, I can't recall. He says one may critique or or question or refine specific instances of the application of the suspend the application of reactive attitudes or the suspension of them but one cannot critique the practice as a whole now i don't agree with that but that's what he would say um and i don't know if you guys read the footnotes or not but footnote seven he says uh compare the question of justification of induction the human commitment to inductive belief formation is original natural non-rational not irrational in no way something we choose or could give up. Yet rational criticism and reflection can refine standards in their application, supply rules for judging of cause and effect. Ever since the facts were made clear by Hume, people have been resisting acceptance of them. So basically, he's drawing an analogy to um, induction not being like a rational way to form beliefs in the sense that like, it can go wrong. Um, or I'm sorry, it's not irrational, but it's like you can't... You can, Strassen is saying, you can question whether or not induction is a kind of robust way to form only true beliefs. But you can't help but do anything but induction in your real life. And so he's flipping the order of importance that the three of us might take, which is like, no, 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 I actually care, like, is induction a rational way to form beliefs or not? Like, that, I care about that question. And he's saying you are 
Strassel would say, you are preposterously over-intellectualizing the issue. Um, he uses that phrase oh, that made me specifically. Laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I thought um, it was deeply ironic. It's, it's <laughs> funny, yeah. He, he'd be right if you operated in that way. But like if you if you operate entirely on like you know the um, taking an objective perspective on all your interpersonal relationships, yeah, I mean that would be like psychopathic. Yeah, he's like, right it, about that. It, yeah. yeah, sure, yeah. no problem. I disagree. But 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 if you sit back and then spend a few hours thinking about you know whether someone is truly morally responsible. Mm. And then you come to the conclusion to take, you know, the objective perspective on, say, like a serial killer or a rapist or something like that. But you don't, you know, personally even come into contact with this person. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that that's a perfectly logical, you know, conclusion to reach. And, you know, that's why we, you know, sh and also I think it has like good implications for just like how we should structure, you know, like legal systems and punishment and stuff like mm. that. Yeah. Should we really have reactive? Should we should we operate on the reactive? Because from his perspective, as you just mentioned, like, would that not be a critique then of, you know, the way in which human beings conduct themselves if we were to seriously critique um, our legal structure in our systems of punishment? I don't know exactly what he would say. I would imagine because he, he does explicitly say you cannot critique the practice of a whole you as a whole you can only inquire and critique about certain instances of it so it depends on if Strassen would view like the criminal justice system as a part of the reactive attitudes as a system or as a whole yeah I, sure I agree with distinction you. But, but you, is you, you, important do, yeah do, do you get like my like my point though there because like, yes if, yes no so, I get it yeah I was just saying what Strassen would answer because if, if we said that okay um if we operated on this system, you know, of kind of viewing people in a reactive sense, you know, mm. in kind of, you know, levied punishments accordingly, mm -hmm. well, then we'd be getting something wrong if we take determinism, you know, to its logical conclusion regarding moral responsibility. Wait, say that again? So if, if we operated... Mm -hmm. from viewing people in a you know with from a uh, like through a reactive lens okay and we you know like through our legal systems then we'd be levying out punishments in a system in a way that is contradictory to the um kind of logical conclusions of determinism and moral responsibility he would say that that question's confused because I'm not saying that I think this. Strassen would say that that question is confused because there, the thesis of determinism does not imply that we either should in all cases or shouldn't in all cases take either the reactive or objective attitude. Now, Stra it's, what's clear is that Strassen would say, now, if you say um, almost what you said, but flip it. So if we take the objective attitude entirely in our moral practice and all we do is we're good consequentialists and all we do is look at what punishments or lack thereof or what styles of rehabilitation, et cetera, provide the uh, best outcomes 
Strassen would say, I think that that maybe that's inappropriate. But it but it's actually tough because to be honest, Strauss, Strassen here, I don't know that he, I don't know what he would think about the the legal system, because he's almost he's almost talking about like this on an interpersonal level. I honestly don't know what he would say about like something like the legal system, you know. But but like the legal system is like really important here because like, oh obviously yeah like this is obviously where we're actually not going based off emotions. We're actually trying to like reach a rational conclusion for how the know, problem is we do use emotions some yeah like a lot of the time and, yeah and, but but that that's part of the point though is that we actually no, I know yeah the active system so and mm-hmm. i mean wouldn't that just be a you know a huge critique of kind of the reactive mindset there is that actually, is actually we wouldn't want to structure our legal systems that way but it's perfectly acceptable that we have interpersonal relationships that operate in that way I honestly don't know. I would say that I I don't know what Strauss would say because that's almost. I obviously think it's a really important question, but I don't know if that's like the topic of this paper that he's writing about. Like that's almost a um. That's like a larger system where it gets fuzzy, and Strassen is almost. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he really mentions how his conclusions here generalize to institutions, right? No, no, but I think you're missing my point, because this is ultimately trying to ascribe some sense of moral responsibility. Like, that is what he's trying to do. Yes, yes. Okay, so so I'm saying that if we actually, like, you know, generalize it and, mm-hmm. you know, um, try to take more of, like, a... Uh, dispassionate view of it yes and suddenly his system is thrown out the window but only in what i'm saying is like i get i get that only in the legal system is it thrown out i don't know if strasser would be okay with that or not I, i can't under i can't tell from this paper is all i'm saying like i i just don't know um because because of his writing style. I don't know if he would say that's fine because it's a subset of the reactive attitudes generally. Like right, it's like a special area of them. Or if he would say like no. Like I, I genuinely don't have an answer for you there. Which is unsatisfying, but like that's all I have <laughs> on that question. Um but Sorry, I've, oh Giffen, did you yeah. say you dis? Uh, did I mishear you way back before this? Um, a- a- Adam said, you know, a- Adam said that Str- Strassen's point is that we cannot give up the practice of reactive attitudes as a whole because that would be a sort of sociopathy and alienation from interpersonal life itself. Did you? Did I mishear you? Did I, I thought you interjected real quick and said I disagree with that. I honestly don't know if I did. Okay. Um, Do you disagree with that or not? <laughs> can you restate the claim? Sure. This is a claim on which I agree with Strassen, actually. Okay. The total suspension of the reactive attitudes. So mm-hmm. let's say you just live your life always in the objective stance, right? Mm-hmm. The objective attitude. Strassen says that that would be synonymous with a cancellation of interpersonal life it would be an alienation from everyone in our lives um and would be akin to some sort of sociopathy 
I, I, whether or not I believe kind of depends on what we mean by isolation. Well, okay. Um, I, I think. Honestly, I wasn't prepared for this question, so I'm kind of sure, kind of freeballing sure. it. What I mean, that's that's I mean, that's well, you know, we don't yeah. like, have scripts for this, but yeah. Um, so I, I, let me try to embody Strassen here. If you take the objective attitude, sure, totally and always towards everyone in your life, um, mm-hmm. you would cease to have these deep relationships that are constituted by kind of almost lapsing into these reactive attitudes, you know, being embarrassed in front of someone or uh, resenting someone for hurting you on purpose or, um, you know, trusting someone and maybe having that trust vindicated. Or, or, like or like in a relationship, like appreciating someone. Mm. Like wouldn't be able to appreciate someone for what they've done either. Because objective, if you're just viewing them like in an objective sense, it kind of goes both ways. It's not just negative things. It's and to clarify... Um, let me quote from page nine to adopt the objective attitude to another human being is to see him perhaps as an object of social policy, a subject for what in a wide range of sense might be called treatment as something certainly to be taken into account, perhaps precautionary account of to be managed or handled or cured or trained, perhaps simply to be avoided, though this gerundive is not particular to a case of objectivity of attitude. Hmm. What do you think? I I mean, maybe this is less than satisfying, but I almost imagine this is a, just a kind of a question of definitions here. Because if like if so, the question you asked me originally had to do with like whether like taking the objective attitude led to sociopathy, and the, I don't care if it's clinically that, but I'm it's no, like no, no, it's no, kind no, of, it's no, kind no, of what was the what was the other thing that you had said. An alienation. And, yeah, from... right. An alienation. That's the thing that kind of sticks with me because, I mean, there would still be interpersonal relationships unless you define kind of like these like um, attitudes that we're describing as kind of necessary for interpersonal relationships. Because obviously it would be different because we were lacking all the things that we were describing. Sure. Um, but I, I don't want it to be a tautological claim. It's not like... You know, yeah, these I, attitudes are therefore it's that that that's I know. mean, that's the thing, though. Like, I'm not sure, like what he means then, like in asking me that question. So then you would. So you're logically entailed to believing that interpersonal relationships are not constituted by reactive attitudes then. No, I think they are. Um, well, then. Isn't it very clear that you agree with Strassen if you think that. Interpersonal relationships are constituted by reactive attitudes. Well, I just don't know if it would lead to isolation. That was the quite part that I wasn't sure about. I mean, given maybe isn't ruling out like the fact that we could be, you know, essentially like robots or like you know like some sort of ant colony in a sense where there there is relationships between, but there's there isn't like. You but know, they're mechanistic. No, that's yeah. exactly it, Adam. That's actually yeah. a great analogy. Yeah. I was trying to think of some sort of like. Well, I wasn't Machiavellian saying like, kind of perspective or like political realism taken to an extreme, like where we're like we de- inter- we, we connect frequently, you yeah. know, and like co- commonly with many people, mm-hmm. but very rigidly towards goals, right? But and very much objectifying. Be, like obviously, but I, I mean, I'm just, I, my yeah. question was, I don't know if that would be constitute like isolation in that case. 
Well, think about I, I, it, like, maybe I'm hung up on that word specifically. Well, it, it would be sort of an interpersonal isolation. Like, I'm not saying, like, physically people would disappear. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, physically people would still be there. But it's, you know how... I, I can imagine a world where there's a lot of communication between, like, individuals to the extent that, you know, there are individuals. Um, right? Like, in this kind of world where everyone only takes the objective attitude. Like, I can totally imagine that. Of course. Uh, and but I would there be friendship in that world, though? Not in the way we just, like, would define it, no. Okay, well, uh, then I think you were quibbling on, like, the term alienation or isolation. Then, Like, I, if I you have no friends, are you not isolated? Like, if you have no relationships with anyone, that seems like isolation I mean, to you me. you probably wouldn't feel isolated, but if, from our perspective, certainly. Wait, what? How wouldn't you feel isolated? If you were only taking the objective attitude, what does, like, interpersonal isolation even mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, like, I, I talk with commu- I like I communicated with twelve humans today, all of which were very productive. I guess that's fair. Like, I, th- that person kind of is a sociopath at that. Po- like, do you know what I mean? Like, is that that kind of is what it means to be like a sociopath then? And and you would probably, um, I mean, like you could still hold interesting conversations, but you wouldn't appreciate the person that you're enjoying the good conversation with, you'd more so appreciate that the conversation was held. Yeah, um, it's almost like like reading a book. It's like, I appreciate you book, you like <laughs> object. Yeah, information has, you know, exited this person's mouth that I find agreeable. And I might then come back tomorrow, you know, because I found that mm-hmm. information agreeable. It informs my future, um, like, uh, interactions with you. But mm. I but- but I fully recognize that this person is you know, not responsible for what comes out of their mouth. Yet I do, yeah. you know, it is still interesting to that extent. So, you know what? You know what's like? I was just thinking of an example of it, uh, like you know, a, a good just real life example of objective versus reactive attitudes. Um, a friend of mine in college was at a party at one point, um, and it was in his house, and his roommate. Uh, there was like a guest at the party and the guest, you know, I said, said or did something very insulting to like one of his roommates and his roommate clearly took the reactive stance and they started to fight. And my friend could have taken either the reactive attitude and sort of, you know, for lack of a better word, reacted to that and, you know, joined the fray, you know, hated this guest for like starting the fight you know what i mean like damaging the house or he could have taken and did take the objective attitude which is to like strassen says kind of look at these degrading these people from agents towards things to be taken into account right it's a situation with with chess pieces to be dealt with and so you know thus suspending his his reactive attitude to really resent and in this case physically punish with his fists the the guest you know starting the fight and 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 causing the issue and you know separating them and without seeking kind of resentment or revenge just just pushing you know like getting the guest out of the house for instance right. like I, I that's in my mind that's a great example of like a difference of the attitudes that actually is a pretty good one at that point like your friend like the i guess the host in this case mm-hmm. um the third party um would almost view it like <laughs> like the, the the reactive like friend there almost 
It's like, why are you getting mad at this, like, you know, um, vacuum cleaner that like started like going haywire, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Purely an object. It's like, there's no need, like, we're going to take care of the situation in a very practical sense, but there's no need to go to fisticuffs with like, you know, the vacuum cleaner. And I, and I agree with Strassen that when you view your friend in that scenario with the objective attitude, he is degraded from your friend to something to be taken into account with. Now, he gets reinstated as your friend, you know, afterwards. When Never. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's like, I think that's the, the cool part about this paper is, you know, we do vacillate between like the objective and the reactive. Um, but your friend, for lack of a term, a better term, gets like reinstated as your friend after, you know, the danger to the house or the danger to like people has subsided and well, you either, what? I was going to say, because in my mind, it's like, I don't know if they would be reinstated until they were not drunk. Well, no, but but it's not about them, actually. It's about when, when you know, let's say like the, the, the disturbance has settled, you know, people have been kicked out or whatever. And it's just like you and, and not you, but like, uh, yeah, yeah, you and your housemate left, sure. right? He is returned to the status of your friend if you have reactive attitudes towards him. Let's say you're really concerned because he took a really bad punch, right? And his like jaws messed up or something. Then he is, you, you do return to the reactive attitude. Or let's say you're really pissed at him because he kind of started the fight or he should have known better. Like, dude, you can't fight in our house or something, right? Um, the moment where you take the reactive attitude of any type, remember these are positive or negative towards right. him, he is reinstated as your friend in that moment. Okay, interesting. Away I from original, I originally took the um, kind of perspective of like you know the agent's condition changed, right? So in mm. kind of like a looser sense, using Strassen's example, it would be like you know <laughs> getting temporary schizophrenia and then kind of like <laughs> subsiding away. Yeah. Well, as Strassen would probably say, like, you know, being drunk is a reason to take the objective attitude sometimes towards people. Right. And yeah. I would, that's what I, that's what I was thinking. But you said, like, even while drunk, like the objective attitude and the well, reactive dep- attitude can still vacillate. Yeah. And it depends precisely on how you're viewing him. You that's know, you point. might you might view someone who's drunk in very kind of objective terms. This is an object to be dealt with, perhaps moved out of the bar if they're going to throw up, you know, something like that. When you realize that they don't have alcohol poisoning and you are then mad at them for getting you both kicked out of the bar you've returned to the reactive attitudes but okay perhaps i don't know i'm I'm thinking on this adam do you have any comments in the meantime no i'm i'm just still stuck on how this relates to moral responsibility so so i think it's a fair question actually the way that I would view it is I think that moral responsibility, this is an open question. Maybe you guys have thoughts on it. Moral responsibility is either a type of reactive attitude or reactive attitudes and moral responsibility have the same preconditions almost. Um, so who's responsible in this case? Like in, in like in an action, like in like, in this, well, like I'm saying responsibility. I would say I would say like blaming someone is the same as holding them morally responsible, right? Sure. And blame is like one of Strassen's quintessential reactive attitudes. So I, I think that holding someone morally responsible is a type of reactive attitude. Um, 
the same could be said for moral praise. Um, like praise for non-consequentialist reasons. Like you're not praising your son or daughter so that they, you know, you kind of Pavlovianly condition them so that they try harder in school or whatever the thing is that you're praising them for, right? Mm. Um, like Adam, if 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 I'm like mad at you and I like deeply like I blame you for doing something like dude like what the fuck why'd you do this like like this action really like messed up my circumstances like I'm like really angry at you and I like resent you for it. like I morally blame you I am attributing more responsibility for what you did um if instead you do the same action and I view it as you know like like I'm not going to get mad at him because it's just not going to result in anything good but I'm kind of like you know done with him like our friendship is over or whatever like if it's that bad of a thing like but I don't actually resent you I'm not like actually trying to get revenge I'm not even actually trying to communicate with you about it like it's just it's just like I just kind of move past you that would the be the erratic wind up toy has been removed from the environment <laughs> I'm failing to see what that, what was that? Well, like, like that, that, that would be the objective attitude I would take towards you, right? Like, I don't think you can hold someone morally responsible in the deep sense if you're taking the objective attitude towards them. So I, I, I guess, I guess I would just like have so many thoughts on this that I don't know which one <laughs> will lead to either absurd comments or <laughs> one. We just ask, see if I can, see if I can run more absurd. Yeah, I mean, what, what if I, what if I blame the C? Like this, like this, this. Yeah, that would be dumb. Yeah. Why? Why? Why would it be dumb? From like, Strassen's like perspective. Yeah, I mean, like, are are we not all just like deter, like just determined? You know, like. Well, he makes a distinction between agents and non-agents, so that's probably where what he would say. If I'm correct, Jordan. Yeah. 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 Agents in, in a deterministic model. If you're viewing it purely through determinism, there is no difference. But you have to remember, from his perspective, he says that the thesis of determinism doesn't... That's not uh, what is... is. That's not the, the heuristic that he's using. Right? Okay. You got to go further into that one. Well, like, so he says... He doesn't view... I think this was, like, at the at the beginning of the paper. He says... I don't view determinism as the reason for why we ever take the objective attitude. He says that they are, it's always for far more specific reasons, like they're a child or they have schizophrenia. Now, we already discussed, I think that those are deterministic reasons. Um, like, I, that's where I disagree with Strassen. Um, but, like, I guess Str Strassen could ask, like, Okay, so let me just pretend to be Strassen for a second. So, like, Adam, if a seven-year-old, um, like, hits you, do you, do you blame or, or resent that child for what they did? No. Okay, why? Um, well, I mean, there's, like, you know, from, like, a philosophy perspective, but then there's also just, like, from an everyday perspective that you know, in the sense that if I rec it, you know, I, I feel like the child is operating through a moral 
and intellectual framework that isn't fully developed mm-hmm. and doesn't reflect who they will become or it, it isn't a very well-defined version of who they are now. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, they're... Hmm. Strawson would say you didn't mention any facts about determinism there. I would, I would agree with you. I, like, yeah. I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think you have reference. There. Like, that's yeah. why I've got two models of, like, so... Now, Strawson would say that... I know he does somewhere later in the paper add that What's interesting about reactive attitudes is they are a type of moral communication as well, um, which is an interesting thing. And that, like, it's weird. (laughs) I, when I first read this paper, I reacted, like, very negatively to it. I thought it was kind of dumb. Like, I didn't think it said a whole lot. I'm now at the position where I think this paper is interesting. I don't agree with most of it but the the lens of kind of viewing things in objective and reactive attitudes is one i find very useful i also really appreciate several points that strassen makes i do actually think that like first of all his description his descriptive claims i do find true sometimes we do take the objective attitude and sometimes we do take the reactive like that's just true um now Strassen, I disagree with him, where he says, A, when we do take the objective attitude, determinism is never the reason. I 100% disagree with that, and I think I have a very robust reason why. Namely that, actually, I am trying to collapse that distinction that he draws between schizophrenia or being a child and the thesis of determinism. Like, I think those are individual expressions of determinism, right? Um but I also think that Strassen makes a great point about uh, you can't live a life that is fully just comprised of objective attitudes towards people. Like, it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, if I, like, like Adam, like, imagine if I viewed you 100% of the time with the objective lens. Like, if you were always just this sort of, like, thing to be dealt with, like, this, this, you, you were like a lamp essentially like it was, you know what i mean like do, like do you share my intuition that 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 is essentially a cancellation of our friendship sure. at that point. yeah okay um so i think that's like a deeply wise point too i also agree um that oh shit what was i gonna say i also agree oh i also agree that um reactive attitudes are a type of moral communication with each other. Like if I express strong negative reactive attitudes towards Giffen for doing whatever, right? For breaking the door handle on our porch, right? If I for a if, random example. <laughs> hypothetical example, sure. <laughs> like if I'm like if I like if I actually am like really mad at Giffen, like you shouldn't have done that. Like, why don't you think? <laughs> like, if I, if I'm using go this, on, like, <laughs> yeah, you idiot. Like, this is this is like reactive attitudes expressing themselves as moral communication. Um, and like it's maybe instructive to to think of times where you've taken the objective attitude with people. Um, like, I'll I'll use an example. Um, my grandparents, for instance, 
I have taken the objective attitude with them on many, many occasions, right? Like, let's think about uh, it's Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe not this year because we didn't get together, but like last year, right? And they make a comment that strikes me as just palpably absurd, right? It's something about, you know, God healed someone they know with stage four cancer, right? I take the objective attitude towards them where I just view them as, okay, this is like, you know, someone at the table who said something that is really not, it's kind of dumb, right? Um, but I'm going to like take them into account as an, as an object here and just, and just not address it. Like I'm not going to have any reactive attitudes towards it. Like I acknowledge that it's dumb, but, but I'm going to take the objective stance and just choose to just ignore it as a, as not something that an agent said, but as just sound that like came from the table, because to engage in that would be to ruin the Thanksgiving dinner. That was a little bit wordy, but do you, do you get what I'm saying with the example? Yeah, no, I, I feel like I totally get it at this point. It's just like, yeah, I, it's not real moral responsibility though. It's like, what, is, what isn't? the moral responsibility that P.F. Strassen describes here. It's not ultimate moral responsibility. In what sense? Elaborate. In the sense that, you know, sorry, Giffen, I'm going back to your example. <laughs> you break me. So even if Giffen, like, just ripped off the handle. <laughs> just to spite me. Just to like, spite me. <laughs> Yeah. I use the porch and he doesn't. He rips it off to spite me. Yeah, let's go with that. Like he, <laughs> so it the thing is like you you have, you know, part of human nature is that you're going to feel deep resentment for that, right? And mm -hmm. and it's just part of human nature. Mm -hmm. But if you really did step back and let five years pass and just revisited <laughs> Galen Strawson's paper. Mm -hmm. You'd have to concede that ultimately Giffen was just acting based on maybe it was his day at work. Maybe it was just, yes. you know, it, it was the environment. It could be who he is. It was just everything together, you know, leading up to him ripping off the handle despite you right there. And those are deterministic causes. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes I well, agree so far. Well, you know, so moral responsibility, it, you, you can ascribe blame to him. But it it's a little vacuous ultimately. It's it's not it's not vacuous in the lens through the lens of interpersonal relationships, but it is ultimately. Well, I'm not sure what the ultimately is there. Um, because so like in the moment, I think you're you're agreeing that in the moment, like when you're actually mad at him and like you resent him, you might even want revenge on him. Like that's that's noted. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're embodying the reactive attitude. And five years later, when you step back and you consider Galen Strassen and Dirk Paraboom, you're taking the objective attitude towards him, right? Um, well, so, so, yeah, like ascribing more responsibility to him is a live option uh, in the first, in the first, not case, but, but point where you're, you do have the reactive attitude towards him. If you take the objective attitude towards him five years later and say, 
and you you think about what reaction you should have had, such as to modify his behavior in the future, right? You were you're not actually concerned with like expressing yourself to him, but you're concerned about like how can I manage Giffen? How can I like do like deal with him? Do you know what I mean? Listerine in um, a squirt bottle works. <laughs> Uh, now I to- yeah exactly like I totally I totally agree with you Adam. More responsibility doesn't mean anything in that scenario, but Strassen's not saying it does. Like Strassen is saying more responsibility is is constituted by the reactive attitudes. I think specifically negative ones of like blame resentment, right? Yeah, I mean, and it's like part of human nature, but it's like definitely irrational, like at the heart of it. Yes, I agree, and Strassen disagrees. I, that, like I, I've been playing the role of Strassen for this conversation, but like I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think. So here, here, like I, I view the reactive attitudes as sort of like it, they're an illusion ultimately, but they are an illusion that constitutes life. Like, like that's just what it means to have a relationship with someone is to view them. Experience, human experience yeah 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 it's yeah. like if i find myself like i don't know i just i find it kind of interesting and i like these terms a lot to think about like things um like the view i take away from it is um and this is kind of you know i would like to really develop this a lot more in maybe like a longer paper of mine at some point but it would be very cool to um develop a more rigorous view of when is it permissible to take the objective attitude versus reactive and perhaps not perhaps definitely when is it morally obligatory to take the objective attitude because for sure sometimes it is i would argue like you know law is one of those examples where you are more morally obligatory to take the objective attitude but not always no no always in law no, no, no. I mean, oh, always, oh. always, always. Of course, because to do that, we're, you know, would to be, you know, to alienate yourself completely from the moral community. Like you would have no friends, you would have no romantic partners if you took the objective attitude always. I mean, that entirely. might be true, but I'm just curious if you think that like informs the decision. I I don't know. Understand the question. I don't know. I guess like, is, is it possible that you know? taking the objective attitude is always like rationally correct, but just has negative consequences towards yourself. If that's, I guess that's kind of a framing. I understand it. It's always clearly a live option because determinism plus randomness is universally true. I'm speaking as myself at this point. Mm. Strauss would say you're preposterously over intellectualizing the issue, you know, and then I just 27 pages. I disagree <laughs> with Strauss. Right. Yeah. Um, what I think would be a very cool, like, and I intend to like, hopefully do this in grad school. It'd be like a very cool project to really kind of go through and, and flush out when is it? Cause there's kind of two standards, like, cause, cause clearly moral interpersonal life itself is constituted by reactive attitudes. That's just what it means to have relationships with someone. On the other hand, it is always theoretically true that it, we have the option to regress into or progress, depending on your view, into the objective attitude. Right. So instead of, because I am extremely uncomfortable with Strassen's laissez-faire, you know, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. Um, 
I think it would be very interesting from my other views, you know, consequentialism of, you know, perhaps like a rule bound type to see when do I think it is permissible or obligatory to, yes. to go to the objective attitude. No. Or the objective I, attitude. I think I understand. And that would be incredibly yeah. interesting. And I, I hope you're successful with that. Um, <laughs> I we, we can flesh it out. Um, would, I was yeah. just kind of like prodding you to see whether you did think that it would, you know, I know, I know you understand the live option, but I was curious if you were going to just kind of like say always. <laughs> oh, no, of course not. I mean, the funny thing is, is that like if I if I actually like I would hope I, I would well not hope, but predict that that would almost that ha that would have to very, very much sour your view of sort of our history as like friends. And that, you know what I mean? Like. What, if, you, if you were like, I've never stepped away from the objective. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> wouldn't you view me in very strange te like terms at that point? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah. I figured I'd ask, nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> After this whole doorknob business. <laughs> no, strong reactive attitudes <laughs> against you towards that. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, maybe just to clarify... Um, for Adam, on page 13, uh, he says, Our adoption of the objective attitude towards the abnormal is the result of a prior embracing of the belief that the behavior or the relevant stretch of behavior of the human being in question is determined in this sense. Neither in the case of the normal, then, nor in the case of the abnormal, is it true that when we adopt the objective attitude, we do so because we hold such a belief. I could not more strongly disagree with that. I, I think that when you do um, view, I mean, this I'm just repeating myself, but I, I wanted to quote Strawson when I'm disagreeing with him there is like, um, I, I very much think determinism is an intrusion into our reactive attitudes from time to time. Um, now, like I said, Strawson doesn't give us the tools uh, to discuss or determine when. But I think that that's a cool project and a very worthwhile one to do. Like, I'm not comfortable with his <laughs> sit back and sometimes we do and sometimes we don't, you know? Um, yeah, I also think determinism, like, gives a better foundation for slipping into the objective. Like, kind of viewing of... Oh, um, for sure. It does not lend itself at all to the reactive. You almost yeah. have to forget about determinism to hold the reactive attitude. Oh, but what I'm saying, though, is, like... Adam's an always objective kind of guy. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like even to slip into that perspective, <clears throat> like just for like regular people. I'm not talking about like cases where, you know, you point at the schizophrenic or the seven-year-old. Oh, or like, a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, hanging fruit. So at times, you, Adam, so you're saying when you slip into the objective attitude with respect to psychologically normal people? Yes. Okay. I'm saying like, like determinism provides like a like just a, a much better foundation than like almost anything else to allow yourself to do that. So I, I don't even know what anything else would be. Like what else? Like wh what else is? I mean, I guess maybe something like egoism, right? Like if you just do it for your own self-interest, like viewing people as mere means to an end or something like that. I guess that's another way to slip into the objective attitude. Yeah, and it's just like I, I mean, I, I guess that's one as well, or <laughs> some you know, like solipsism or some nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you, like you could, 
like slip into that perspective, but determinism actually provides like a more rational reason for slipping into that perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I did find like the kind of these perspectives incredibly like useful in kind of I love the a lot language. of things that I can think about. Um, but again, yeah. I, I view it's more useful in a kind of sociological or psychological sense than in like a philosophical regarding like free will. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were saying at first, but no, I agree. I mean, like, yeah. So, so from my point of view, um, I almost end up saying something similar to Strassen, but from a radically different perspective where it's like, um, it's almost like free will doesn't really interact with my view of objective and reactive attitudes because it's not present in either case. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I almost end up saying something similar to Strassen, but the reverse. Mm. Um, yeah, Cause he says, this is the, this is the one thing that I just, I wanted to think about for a minute. He says on page 17, we must ask in what ways, what? by what considerations, what? Um, they tend to be inhibited, they meaning reactive attitudes. Because um, he says, he says, like, so, and he, I, he kind of answers it. Um, at the very bottom of that page, he says, but suppose we see the agent in a different light, as one whose picture of the world is an insane delusion, or as one whose behavior or part of whose behavior is unintelligible to us, perhaps even to him in terms of conscious purpose and intelligible only in terms of unconscious purposes, or even perhaps as, as wholly impervious to the self-reactive attitudes I speak of, wholly lacking, as we say, in moral sense. Um, such an, so maybe I, seeing an agent in such a light as this tends, I said, to inhibit resentment in a wholly different way. It tends to inhibit resentment because it tends to inhibit ordinary interpersonal attitudes in general. This is my problem. I'm not understanding why. He's almost saying that this is how he sees things, but he's not saying why. Like, he says, what it's, he says what it's not due to. Like, he says it's not for deterministic reasons. They're, they're way more specific, but, like, but that's all I get from him. And I want more. Like, I want more of a moral theory than that. Yeah. I, I found what, him. What are you laughing at, Adam? <laughs> Giffen's always very quick to criticize P.F. Strawson's uh, writing style. Every time someone's mentioned like how turgid the writing is, Giffen's like <laughs> agreed. <laughs> I, I yeah, it was not like the writing style. Like <laughs> I, I did not. Frank, I mean, do you guys disagree? No, I don't disagree at all. No, I I, I, I took very reactive attitudes when I was. <laughs> you did. You slipped into the reactive attitude towards Strawson. <laughs> Uh, he he said okay what about this i have this highlighted he says i remarked also that the suspension of ordinary interpersonal attitudes and the cultivation of a purely objective view is sometimes possible even when we have no such reasons for it as i have just mentioned is it is this possible also in the case of the moral reactive attitudes i think so and perhaps it is easier the pro the problem is is like he develops these like views but i don't know what they're based on because he says it's not determinism it's far more specific but then he only gives us examples they're only supposed to pull intuitions there's not like a theoretical ground for it which i guess is what goes back to his like preposterously over intellectualizing the issue like that's what he would say to galen 
his son, you know, like my son, you are preposterously <laughs> over intellectualizing the issue. But like, Galen's like, no, dude, like I'm not. <laughs> like, it, it matters. Quote, no, dude, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Galen writes like a paper, just no, dude, I'm not. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, what about this? Okay, I'm I'm, I'm grasping at quotes here, but <laughs> another one. But what? what uh, sorry, bottom of eighteen. But the motives for a total suspension of moral reactive attitudes are fewer and perhaps weaker. Fewer because only where there is an antecedent personal involvement can there be a motive of seeking refuge from the strains of such involvement. Fewer because only where there is an antecedent personal involvement can there be a motive for seeking refuge from the strains of such involvement. So that's to me that's saying... Um, the objective attitude is only applicable in cases where you already have a relationship with someone, but I disagree with that. Because only where there is an antecedent personal involvement, antecedent personal involvement translates to reactive attitudes for me. Can there be the motive of seeking refuge from the strains of such involvement? So the objective attitude. I, I I very much disagree with that. I think you can take the objective attitude, and you often do with people who you have no antecedent personal involvement with. Think about like a cashier or something. Like, I mean, you don't like you know you know how sometimes you just interact with people almost as if this sounds bad, but like they're not people. Like it, they're like they're part of the checkout almost. Like the, I I don't mean that to sound no, bad, but like you can almost. Like kind of make it sound a little better by saying like you were just distracted at the time, right? You were thinking about something else or like you were on your yeah. phone and it's like, you know, it wasn't maybe intentional that you <laughs> objectified them, but it kind of does happen. Yeah, it's like, but, but also like it's not wrong that that happens. Like we can't, we can't go around just imbibing the reactive attitude with like everyone we come into con. It's like, it's not possible. Like you can't, like, it, is that actually what he's claiming though? Is that it's like the objective attitude is harder to take? For someone you don't know, like I, what well, he says, well, well, let me just read that again. Then he says, but the motives for a total suspension of moral reactive attitudes are fewer. So maybe it's a frequency claim and perhaps weaker, fewer, because only where there is an antecedent personal inter involvement can there be a motive of seeking refuge from the strains of such involvement. Okay, maybe I'm misreading him. So, so maybe. The seeking mm -hmm. refuge part indicates that you already have some interpersonal relationship there, right? Yeah, well, he also even just says antecedent personal involvement. Like, I think that I think that's clear. M maybe what he's saying is, like, your motive of seeking refuge can only be the case when you already have a relationship. Like, you don't seek refuge from, like, the cashier or something. <laughs> like, or like something you just... Yeah. Yeah, you just don't pay them any mind, almost. Like, they don't... They don't register as like, and to be fair, like this, this, like from the cashier's perspective, like it's the same thing. Like you can't just, you can't just hold everyone who you check out with like the reactive attitude. Like you just can't do that. It's not possible. You yeah. Know? At some point you just kind of drone, like, how are you good? <laughs> yeah. And like, like, the, like, and really, how are you? Like you can't, <laughs> like you can't, you can't. let's <laughs> dig down here. Hold on. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you're holding up the line. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> You, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of life just isn't as deep as the reactive attitudes tend to go. 
Um, well, let, let me finish the quote. Maybe there's something else here. He says, because he said fewer and weaker. He continues perhaps weaker because the tension between objectivity of the view and the moral reactive attitudes is perhaps less than the tension between objectivity of view and the personal reactive attitudes so that we can, in the case of the moral reactive attitudes, more securely, more easily secure the speculative or political gains of objectivity of view by a kind of setting on one side rather than a total suspension of those attitudes. Is that is he talking about the legal case there? I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I'm reading that last part again. Jesus Christ, that's that's a paragraph of a sentence. Sentence, <laughs> it, it, it is. <laughs> um, there's pages and pages of this one sentence. Mm. Um, but whenever he's like starting at because the tension between, I think this might be an interesting one to kind of dig into because um, because the tension between objectivity of view and the moral reactive attitudes is perhaps less than the tension between the objective view and the personal reactive attitudes. So he's kind of mm. making a comparison between moral and personal reactive attitudes, which is That's kind of a subdivision we didn't discuss, uh, I don't think, yet. No. I wonder... That's a, that's a great thing to point out, Giffen. Mm-hmm. So let's think of... So, what's, so an example of a moral reactive attitude would be, clearly be blame. for like, like That implies a moral infraction, right? What is a what's an example of a reactive attitude that's not moral, just personal? Wow, what an amazing question! <laughs> it's like love, like it's, it's that's mm. that would be or like affection or something like that. That's not moral. I guess you're, but doesn't that sort of have moral attachments to it? I don't no. know. No, affection. Oh, okay. Attraction. Yeah. No, affection. Oh, what about what about almost it may, uh, no, I agree with you Adam. Um what what about maybe like being embarrassed in front of someone? It doesn't have to be like a moral infraction if you're embarrassed. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are good ones. Cuz like if you if you um like I'm just trying to think of an example of like where I was embarrassed over something like I don't know, like if you just well, like you know those memes of like you get crossed up in front of your crush, like you know, like you know, like that's clearly not a moral violation on anyone's part. But oh, that okay, or, or think... like ripping a doorknob off of it. <laughs> no, no, I I held you with moral resentment for that. Given. <laughs> no, yeah, like I think that's like right. Am I, I think I have a good example there, right? Because it's not like a moral. It's not in the moral realm. But you are embarrassed in front of them in precisely because you're you have like reactive attitudes towards them of of you know that attraction, is. lust, Adam's affection, right? Like, like the like. So so okay. So so, what was the comparison? That you read, Giffen? He was saying... He's, I'll just read it again. It's at the bottom of page 18. Because the tension between objectivity of view and the moral reactive attitudes is perhaps less than the tension between objectivity of view and the personal reactive attitudes. So mm. that's kind of like the where he's setting up what, what's actually being compared here in, yeah. this, in this paragraph mm. sentence. Is that true, though? Like, I, I feel like that might be reversed, if anything. Like... Because, like, I mean, it just kind of depends on the emotion, too, or, like, the reactive attitude. Because, like, the one you mentioned, like, um, embarrassment, yeah, that's that's pretty hard to kind of switch to an objective point of view there. But also, at the same time, if you feel, like, a great deal of, you know, uh, if you, like, ascribe blame, like, a lot of blame for something, like, it's 
kind of hard to switch between that too. So like, I don't know why he's, and I hate that he starts it with because, because he's going to make a point after that here. Based it's not obvious that that's actually true. Yeah. It's far from obvious. I, that doesn't seem. It's far from, it's almost like, am I mistaken that that is just a, an empirical claim and it could even vary person to person. Yeah. I just, yeah. Wow. This, this is, I'm crazy. I'm trying to read like the sentence or the fra <laughs> the fragment of a sentence after that. Yeah. Um, uh, so that we can, because this is kind of like more of a claim um, uh, that made illustrated rather than just the comparison. So that we can, in the case of the moral reactive attitudes, more easily secure the speculative or political gains of objectivity of view by kind of setting on one side rather than a total suspension of those attitudes. Dude, this guy I actually, I, No, I actually think that he's talking about Adam's example of the legal system there, right? Um, so that we can, in the case of the moral reactive attitudes, more easily secure the speculative or political gains of objectivity of view, so the objective attitude, by a kind of setting on one side rather than a total suspension of those attitudes. I don't know, it's like... No, actually, he, Jordan, I think you might be right. Is he saying that, like, it, it, maybe he's almost acquiescing to Adam's point there, um, where he's saying in, in a legal case, it might be better for us to not suspend, but perhaps put aside. I, I would say just go ahead and suspend them. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm but, not sure but, what the difference is. But. But, but maybe kind of table or put aside uh, the reactive attitudes to gain this objectivity of view um, into, into maybe, and law is a, maybe an applicable case of that. A very good point, but like, and I, I think that oh, I, yeah. I, I, I fully understand his point after you made that point now too, <laughs> like because like the moral reactive attitudes doesn't necessarily have to pertain to you. Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. personal, by definition, pertains to you, so it's easier to set aside something that doesn't relate. Oh. To objective point of view does that make sense now yeah, okay i actually fully agree with him now yeah yeah of yeah. course that makes sense that was because we were yeah <laughs> we were focused on two types of personal ones moral and amoral yeah he was talking about ones that don't involve us there's a murder trial that we're not involved in yes yes wow. okay see like, i told your you your project should be to rewrite freedom and resentment like in resentment like i feel like i could in half the pages with more clarity yeah that's great that was a monster sentence right there that was a monster did i so <laughs> did i i told you guys where we stopped recording after last episode and adam you proud of me all right just tell me tell me <laughs> like tell me what freedom and resentment said. i'm like nope the exegesis is part of it <laughs> <laughs> It, the exegesis oh. is is part of it. Um, he, you know what? I, I, I might have had a bit of a realization myself. Not one that makes me agree with Strassen more, but one that makes me understand him more. Um, on page 19, second paragraph, he says, First, we must note, as before, that when the suspension of such an attitude or such attitudes occurs in a particular case, it is never the consequence of the belief that it that the piece of behavior in question was determined in a sense such that all behavior might be, and if determinism is true, all behavior is determined in that case. Now, first, my objection. He has not defended this separation conceptually. Um, he has only kind of decreed that that's how he's viewing it. But I might think that what he could be saying 
I disagree with this, but what he could be saying is that he's almost taking something like a character-based account um, where if you have that view, you would view it not as an intrusion from determinism, but as something that is like out of character or what do you guys think of that? Like, is that might be, is that at least closer to how he's kind of viewing the suspension of the reactive attitude? Um, I'm not even sure. I'm not even like fully done with this sentence here. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he, he's saying, if I can, I think I can translate it. Um, when we take the objective attitude. But I'll just come to agree with you though. translate what he's saying then yeah i'll I'll agree with you true true uh can i can i venture a translation it seems to me like he's saying uh when we suspend the reactive attitude it is never the consequence of determinism because if determinism is true it's true in every case um, so then there is no reactive attitude. I disagree with that, but I think that's what he's saying. That he's, he's saying, therefore, because it's not due to determinism, it's due to something. And he is triflingly unclear on what that something is. He trots out examples, but nothing. I, I'm not sure that he does anything more. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I just... After you explain that, yeah, I agree with that. That that's what that's. <laughs> well, we don't know if that's what it says. We know yeah, that you yeah, agree yeah, with me. I, it actually became much more clear. I'm I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, I I, the only the only reason I can translate these is I've read this paper a few times. Yeah. I've read this paper a few times. Um. It, it's it's a bear of a paper. It would. It's worth it, I think. Like I I but but is it. And it's not even worth it for the reason Strassen hopes it might be worth it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't actually agree with him, but... Yeah. I, I think Let's just say this. If, Jordan, yeah. if you just kind of condense this down to like a 10-pager, that would be worth it, and this would not be. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how I feel. Well, I, I don't think he does himself any favors with his, his writing style. Um. <laughs> okay, so... Um, I think it's uncontroversial. In fact, I'm not even... I've heard debate about whether Strawson is saying the reactive attitudes comprise a system. I I think it's clearly ad hoc. Or at least if it's not, he's, he's desperately unclear about, like, when and why. Um... So okay, well, how about this? Let's conclude. Let's conclude. If we, if we, uh, I found like some interesting discussion questions online. Um, let's conclude with those. And if I think that they are, like we've already gone over them, we'll just skip them. Um, so this was from like a Reddit thread on uh, on the paper. But the first one is Strassen develops a compatibilist account. I would put an asterisk next to compatibilist. Um, account of more responsibility but couldn't the hard determinist come back and say 
even if we can't help but hold some people morally responsible for some of their actions, that doesn't mean that they really are morally responsible. You really haven't responded to our initial challenge at all, which was to show how people are genuinely morally responsible for their actions. How do you think Strassen would respond? I think it's pretty clear how he would respond. Yeah, I think we went over this. Um, I think he would say you're preposterously over-intellectualizing <laughs> the issue. Like, it's not about, like, he would say it's not about some, like, ultimate moral responsibility. It's about the moral responsibility that is constituted by our reactive attitudes. Um, and the fact that we can't give those up is... Uh, is indicative of the case that like that is what there there is no higher moral responsibility like it is constituted by the reactive attitudes that's what he would say I would imagine um, can, we, can we also just note the hypocrisy of the, <laughs> the over intellectualizing I mean <laughs> oh I mentioned before I, deeply honestly, ironic I've just I've never read a more turgid paper than this one <laughs> never, never can I, I can I read the quote where he where he says that it's on page it's on the bottom of page 24 optimist and pessimist misconstrue the facts in a very different in very different styles but in a profound sense there is something in common to their misunderstandings both seek in different ways to over intellectualize the facts inside the general structure or web of human attitudes and feelings of which i have been speaking there is endless room for modification redirection criticism and justification but questions of justification are internal to the structure uh, or relate to the modifications internal to it the existence of the general framework of attitudes itself is something we are given with the fact of human society so that's what i was referencing earlier with like you can't critique the practice as a whole um from Strassen, but 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 um, <laughs> yeah, the over intellectualizing is a little ironic given his uh, his writing style. Um, yeah, even that sentence. Even that sentence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like I. It's almost like you like you have to speak Strassen to get, like to get this paper. Like it's no. a dialect. It, it's not a joke. Like literally, I got to page two and I was like, okay, I need to actually like bring this down to like literally formal logic. I wrote down. I was like, I this told is you absurd. Guys, literally, I, just page two. I told you guys, I'm not gonna give it to you because <laughs> the exegesis is the is the work that needs done. You're so right, and I wish you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, instead of going through the rest of the discussion questions, were there any that you guys actually read and and you were like you had a strong reaction to when I sent them originally? That might be assuming you read them. <laughs> I, I did read them. I thought it was very. I thought the questions clarified more than Strassen himself. <laughs> it's a, like the very first one you sent was like Strassen develops a compatibilist account of moral responsibility, and I was like, I suppose that is. You're true. like, oh yeah. shit, he is a compatibilist. <laughs> That's not even a joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. To, uh, no, I'm not even kidding. That's why I waited to send those to you guys until like the day because I don't want to give too much. I don't want to send these and you read those and then the paper. Yeah, no, definitely right move. That's why I confirmed. That's why I confirmed with Adam that he was. I double added him <laughs> that he was. <laughs> I took. I took. I took the objective attitude. Like I take the objective attitude towards Adam when it comes to digital communication. <laughs> <laughs> Less of a friend. I I degrade your status. As an agent to something to be dealt with. 
for, for, for communication on like you know, over text. Uh. But am I ultimately responsible? <laughs> You're preposterous over text. Uh. So I don't know. I feel like I none of the questions really jumped out at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I, I they're good questions, but to be honest, they're good if we haven't just done an entire like exegesis on them. You right. know? I think you know what these are meant for? If I were teaching a class on this, like it would have been fun to force you guys to write out responses to this or something. You know what I mean? Like that I think that's what these are better for. I think we've answered all of these through our discussion. Yeah, these are good comprehension questions. Yeah, yeah. Um to the extent one can comprehend (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree um is there anything hanging that i i missed i'm i'm curious real quick because i i think i i uh, hopefully i gave a very kind of clear um view of how i'm viewing strauss and the areas of like agreement and disagreement between me and him where are you guys at um just in general with with where you sympathize and where you demur I think I finally get it. <laughs> I, I, I think I finally get it. Because it's like I, I had such a kind of visceral reaction to this. this As us do. Um, but honestly, like once I've kind of like gone step by step and have concluded that actually we really can't critique like our reactive nature to an extent. Because, I mean, it actually defines human experience and through that human experience, like you kind of mentioned, you know, certain, um, like, what, a bit, what would it be, like, reactive, moral kind of projections like blame, mm. like, like, conceptions like that, um, they're kind of essential to human experience. So there is moral responsibility that you will ascribe to others just in being human but on a do you agree with i'm curious if you agree with me that on a deeper more philosophically sophisticated sense there is always the deeper truth that as per galen strauss and there is no true ultimate moral responsibility sure i mean that's what i at the beginning of this thing okay that's what i couldn't get over yeah yeah. that's why i kept bucking (laughs) but i mean yeah I, I think I'm happy to hold both of these things as true. Okay. So, um, Actually, Adam, I wait, just want you to clarify. Uh, oh, oh. oh sorry. No, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying your view. I, I had a clarificatory question, but you go You first. can ask the clarificatory question, please. <laughs> no, I, are you in, are you in uh, danger of losing yours? No. Okay, I apologize. I thought you were saying your view. Um, I was not. No, no problem. Hope you don't take the reactive attitude towards me. Only objective <laughs> always towards humans. <laughs> Adam, I was just curious on clarifying. Um, you are agreeing with Strassen that you can't critique the practice as a whole, um, but are you sympathetic with my concern that his merely descriptive state of affairs is not enough? Um, yeah, like it, it, there should be more specific guidelines for when you should lapse into the objective mm. um, perspective versus the reactive perspective yeah yeah i haven't written that paper yet but i do have in my um like undergrad thesis i have three 
cases in which two of two of the first two are cases I believe it is morally permissible. The third is morally obligatory. Um, but those are objections to an absolutist view, not flushing out like a view in and of itself. I think I think that's like a very interesting project to pursue. Incredibly. Giffen, where do you stand? So I generally agree, I think, with the kind of claim that <laughs> Strassen really should have fleshed this out a little bit more. <laughs> um, and I, I actually do find it like very, you know, I'm almost eager to hear what you have to say about like <laughs> the you're kind of filling in that the gap mm. um, with your over intellectualization. <laughs> yes, there's, there's much of that. that I'm yes. prone to. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if I agree to the, the specific statement that Adam just gave where like. And Adam, please clarify. Did you say that um, it almost makes it you, you almost can't critique the kind of reactive attitudes that we take? Giffen, I'm so sorry. You just froze for seven seconds. <laughs> oh, Could no. You, I know. And I'm sure it was a tough question to, to utter there. <laughs> that, that, that was the most critical seven seconds of the podcast. <laughs> Adam, you botched it. <laughs> <laughs> only reactive attitude yeah, from like, the end. Like you really are, you really like. If there is an ultimate sense of moral responsibility that you are, you have now. And what was brutal was actually that was the first time it froze on me. The entire a question directed just at me. It was like, oh. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, let's let's try that again. Yeah. So, Adam, is it true that what you had just kind of claimed or stated? was that it's like coming out of the paper, you find it hard to kind of, um, oh man, <laughs> I lost my, the, I think you said critique the reactive attitudes. Thank you. Critique the reactive attitudes. You find it harder to critique the reactive And I think you said impossible, not hard. Maybe. Oh, know. well, only in the sense, like, you know, of like the practice at large. Because, I mean, it, it is what defines human experience. So if you critique, you can only, I mean, if you want to critique human experience, then go at it. But <laughs> I'm, I mean, like, I, I can't necessarily conceptualize um, as a human, you know, kind of giving up much of what it means to be human. So, so yeah, that's where i'm at see at least after reading the paper um i am like wow this actually illustrates kind of the need to critique those the, uh, like but really i think a need. if i understand adam at large or like repeat, do you mean, repeat that adam you, you you buffered for us okay so do you mean like given do you mean like the like the nature of kind of um reactivity in general as or, a whole as a whole, or do you mean like specific instances? Like, what do you mean? Kind of both. Well, okay. So, if I were to guess, push back on this a little bit, sure. what do you mean by critiquing reactivity? Um, you know, as a whole, there. Yeah, see, that's a good question because I'm not sure. Like, I'm understanding you exactly. Like, I so I guess my claim would be after reading this paper, I feel like, you know, the reactive attitudes. <laughs> Like, I feel like a greater need to critique reactive attitudes, if that is an appropriate thing to say. And I'm not sure if I can make the distinction, at least right now, between 
at large and just like on an individual basis. Because to me, if you're kind of like saying like, well, on these individual bases, you want to, you know, kind of dial back reactive attitudes. Isn't that kind of in some sense of like the sum is being reduced? Can I clarify? Yeah, please. So I'm imagining three ways in which you could critique the reactive attitudes. And I want to see if you guys agree with which, like how many of the three you want to critique. Oh, absolutely. This is great. Okay. So there's the first sense, the biggest sense in which one can ask, is it ever appropriate to hold the reactive attitude? Then there's a second way to critique it, which is to say, we cannot escape the reactive attitudes as a whole. But what is desperately important is a ethically grounded, scrupulous way of determining when is it morally permissible to suspend the reactive attitudes and perhaps when is it morally obligatory to do that. Then there's a third way, which is let's look at individual cases by individual cases and determine uh, which ones we find applicable to the reactive attitude or not. I find the second and third to be projects that are interesting to pursue, the third as a byproduct of the second. How are you two viewing that? The exact same. Okay. I agree with your relationship with like the third to the second. I, I actually think, and I'm not super like 100% about this right now, but I, I kind of feel like after reading this paper, I'm like, I kind of find it interesting to critique one or to just flesh out one, I should say. Do you think like, I mean, what would that look like in your own life though? I mean, that is like, that doesn't necessarily follow, but if you have like an, like something wrong with, um, just kind of like reactivity as a whole, do you intend to kind of like moderate, you know, certain feelings that you, or certain, um, reactions that you have in response to other people, like feelings of maybe pride, you know, for like maybe your sibling or, you know, affection for your parents or, I mean, do you, do you think those are maybe not worthwhile pursuits or? You're asking me if I think those aren't worthwhile pursuits, meaning like the feelings themselves or like the, the questioning of them as reactive attitudes. Um, so like if someone does something like, you know, if your mom, if you went home and your mom made you like a really good breakfast, right? Okay. Like in the morning, would you feel like, do you think it would be wrong on your part to, you know, maybe feel some affection for your mother for having done that? Or is that something you just recognize that she is a, you know, just a, ultimately just like a clump of sex that has, <laughs> <laughs> that, that has, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's it's nice, but you know, you don't really feel any. Thank uh, you, kitchen appliance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what's? She's essentially a sophisticated fridge, <laughs> well, and oven, and uh, yeah, she's a whole kitchen at that point. Yeah, yeah. Or is this um, like entirely like in the moral realm for you? That's a great question. So I, I think my uh, that question might actually push me down to a two. Um, because I, I do feel like this is, I imagined it most like exclusively in the moral realm, but I actually do think I am curious to see in the like kind of just strictly personal realm too. Mm. Like, I just want to kind of see like a fleshing out of the consequences of that. Like if, and I, I think 
In order to say you're interested in in the first project, you'd yeah. have to be willing to say that you're actually willing or you're you're interested in investigating whether the reactive attitudes as a whole are something that you'd be interested in or not, right? And it's like I follow Strassen in saying that like it's kind of preposterous to pretend that that's a live option for us. Like it's just not. Like you you can't. You, like you just can't and therefore it's kind of that almost is over-intellectualizing the issue, to actually just dive into, am I going to have any reactive attitudes? Like, it's, just not it's just not possible. I mean, I still find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I find the impossible interesting. Maybe I don't, I don't know how to frame this because, but I don't even. It's yeah. not that I'm like claiming, like right now, like I want everyone to only take objective attitudes. I simply am stating that I find it interesting. Hmm. I almost don't. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm. I don't even know what it would mean to like inquire into that, though. It'd be like I found that an interesting question. <laughs> maybe. So, I, I, yeah. I, sorry. I, guess, I guess like I don't actually have an issue with Giffen's perspective on like the exploration of that idea, but mm -hmm. I think it'd be like less of a critique. Maybe. Maybe that's just a semantic game at that point. But it's like I. I mean. Is it better to be a human or a robot, necessarily? You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess you could offer a critique. Like, could you have feelings without having reactive attitudes? Like, I guess you could have feelings in the sense of, like, raw sensation. Like, you could, like, experience pain or, like, pleasure. But you couldn't have... <sighs> You couldn't have, you know, deep love for someone. You couldn't have um, just just the feeling of, like, accomplishment in, like, the presence of others or, like, you just, you just couldn't have any of that. And, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe, maybe I should say insofar as one is an interesting project, it could be an interesting project from the grounds of, you know, maybe I take it back in the sense that you could look at it from a Galen perspective and say, are any of those ultimately robust? I just find the answer to be almost uninterestingly no. Like, obviously, they're not. Like, we're all just determined, like, plus randomness, you know? That's the sense in which we have no libertarian free will. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I was too I, I quick to find... say it's not interesting, but... Okay. You know, I mean, I do find it interesting, even though I share the uh, kind of, you know deeply like no because you know determinism but yeah i don't i, I do find it interesting to kind of just all <laughs> over and consider like the cons but what it would look like in mm -hmm. transitioning or like at the end like how would you know yeah the, the machine slash <laughs> i have mind slash you know humans work there maybe i said it was boring or, or uninteresting honestly because it's just a very i almost have full confidence in the answers obviously yeah. nothing's I understand just, why you would want to yeah. write a paper regarding two and not one. <laughs> let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, because it's like, in my mind, the, the the project of the one paper is one page, and it's <laughs> determinism is true. No one is Kazusui, therefore nothing is deeply justified. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's the paper. Or I could make it twenty-seven pages and pull a <laughs> pull a P.S. Strassen, but like go down in history. <laughs> Yeah. If you really want to understand, you know, you know, one, and, and you know, and the consequences of taking like a full, like you know, a, you know, objective viewpoint, you could just go watch like a beehive. You know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> just like, 
it's like I mean you'd probably have to extrapolate a little bit in terms of like the um, you know the full conscious experience that we would still have yet have no interpersonal relationships but you'd certainly capture yeah. no interpersonal relationships part you know yes it's sort of a hive mind like <laughs> and yet the bees find themselves in close quarters frequently <laughs> Giffen aspires to become just like a bee a bee in the <laughs> Giffen becomes like just like he just espouses that view for the rest of his life he just only talks about that with people <laughs> hey, I wish I had no sense of affection <laughs> or, or love I that's exactly I, what I said. Thank you for the. Uh, I, I yearn to be alienated from the moral community. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bush. <laughs> I believe that that is a precise <laughs> definition of what Gibbons view is. Oh. More eloquent than I could ever put it, but yet incredibly true. We should wrap it up. This is one of my favorite episodes ever, though, by far. Um, I, I honestly feel like. I understand Strawson more even now than I did after reading it for the third or fourth time a few hours ago. Like I actually like this this deepened my understanding of the paper um, in a, in a great way. I think uh, this was definitely one of my favorite episodes. Um, okay, let's end it. I don't know what we're doing next. Um, maybe maybe well we'll figure it out offline. Um, but all right, this was. This was definitely a longer one. We got to be close to two hours on this one. Um, <laughs> what, are you la- what are you laughing at, Adam? Okay. okay. <laughs> Save it for offline. <laughs> Take new objective attitude towards the audience. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I hope everyone else enjoyed it, found it interesting, and uh, tune in next time for the continuation of the series.